Good morning all and happy Mother's Day to everyone who forgot to turn their clocks. One, two, okay. Turn with you will with me in John's Gospel chapter 15. I want to read something to you here. John's Gospel chapter 15 and verse 13. I'll read it and then we'll begin. John's Gospel 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. In other words, there's an intimacy, right, between master and servant that should take place at some point. A servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything, keeping no secrets, everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, a very famous scripture, the scripture that God has really opened up to me over the last few weeks. I deal with marriages, I deal with marriages and relationships a lot. Dating, Sex, marriages, divorce, etc. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> it's not a ministry I would have chosen. It's kind of a ministry I wandered into. But it's one that, apart from end times, it's one that has dominated my life. It's dominated my thinking time. And dominated, you know, my world for about the last eight to ten years. And I have a lot of connections with people privately, by email, by phone call, that I'd never talk about. Because they seek advice, they seek help for problems within their marriage. And I am very happy with that. I'm very blunt. <laughs> I'm very blunt. And one of the, you know, a couple, many, many couples will say, could you come to our house, that, you know, privately or whatever, and go to the house. And you have to very quickly make an assessment. And the assessment has to be honest. Amen. Amen. If it's not honest, what's the point? So I've nearly got a thump in the mouth a few times, you know, within five minutes. Because some people never should have married the person they married. But no one's ever told them that. And if you're the first one to tell them that, duck. <laughs> some people never should have married. It's a mismatch. But now that they're married, they're married. And they're going to have to work on it. So some cases are very clear. Other cases, it's, it's foggy. It's not clear. And you have to say that. You have to state that. With other cases, it's crystal clear. It's prophetically clear. And you can tell that. But for me, and I've had some experience here, for me, the starting point of all growth within marriage is honesty. Beginning by saying, are we right, were we wrong, and taking things from there. You can't start from a place where you're not, you know. But this scares the living, I mean, some of you are frightened already, aren't you? This scares the living daylights out of people. People get terrified, but this is life. You're going to have to face your reality sooner or later, and you need to face it head on. Everything in this world is changing, and it's changing faster. Nations are changing, cultures are changing, peoples are changing, geography is changing, and relationships are changing. The way relationships are formed is changing at an enormous rate. Mothers, I hope you're listening. Fathers, I hope you're listening. 
Your children will not form or maintain their relationships in the way that you did. Because the world is not the way it was back then. One in five relationships currently is formed, it begins online. It begins on a dating site, or on a blog, or on Facebook. One in five, and it's heading to one in four. Now, if you're over 30 or whatever, that's not your story. That's not what happened to you. Yet, that is a change that is taking place that we must govern. We must, you know, supervise as best we can and protect people today as they grow up in this world. As they grow up in 2014. I can't turn the clock back. Rather, I must face the reality of my children's world and try and help them navigate what is actually treacherous waters today in relationships. That's a big change. Another big change is the number of friends that my children have. This is a different world and I don't see people trying to deal with it. We did in 17 messages and what's love got to do with it. Two of those messages, you know, I tried to help people govern and control the friendships that your children have and indeed that you have. Because it's like we're being blindsided. It's like you don't even know what's happening. When I grew up, I had my best friend Mark and I had five or six friends in school and a couple of friends in my street. So did you. But today, it's not uncommon for a child of 12 to have 150 friends on Facebook. Okay? So that exposes that child to a whole new world of influences. You've got Twitter, you've got Skype, you've got text messages, you've got an enormous, how can you put it, you know, impact on that child's mind in a way that I never had when I grew up and neither did you. However, folks, my point today, and the heart of my point today, quantity doesn't mean quality. And, but, oh yeah, absolutely, socially, relationally, the society that we now live in has quantity, socially, plus, 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 right? But they do not have quality. And I want to talk very bluntly and directly to you about the relationships that you have. Are they quality relationships? You might not want to answer that until I've finished. Are, do you have quality relationships in your life? That question is applied to all ages. Everybody in this room, no matter what your background, no matter whether you're single or married. I'm not talking about marriage today. Do you have quality relationships? And do we even know what that means? That's what I want to talk about. Achieving that and then maintaining it. If you're single, I want to show you three things that I believe God... It sounds a bit cheesy when you say three points. Three things that I believe God has shown me just in the last couple of weeks about getting a quality relationship and then maintaining it if you're single. And the same if you're married. I'm fed up of going into marriages that lack any quality. They lack any power. They lack any gazing. They're just going through the rituals, etc., etc. I don't like that. That's not the life that God promised. Amen. That is not the life that God promised. He said it would be life in all its fullness. And I believe that every person can achieve that. Even if you've made a mistake in the beginning, you can still achieve it. You can still achieve it. It is possible. But you're going to have to be brave. 
You're going to have to do some things maybe that you've never done before. And not everybody's up for it. Not everybody's willing. I can tell you. Some people shut me down so quick. As soon as you start to approach the, the, you know, the hub of the problem, they start blocking you out. Don't answer your phone calls. Because you're getting too close to the truth about their situation. The Greek language has many words for love. I think it's about 17 different words for love. And there's four categories. We know them very well. The agape, the philio, the sturge, the eros. And that means that from God's perspective, love has levels. Okay? Love has levels of intensity. Levels of quality. Okay? Scripture says it. God says it. And you could look at it in a hundred ways. We use love very slapdash, you know. I love pizza. I love this. I love that. I love chakwe chow. I do love chakwe chow. I love this. I love that. And we just use it about anything. But scripture doesn't. Doesn't facilitate that. And when Jesus spoke about love, let me just look at it again. John fifteen thirteen. Look at this. Jesus also refers to the levels of love. John 15, 13, and he refers to the highest level of love. He says, greater love, there is no greater love than this. The greatest level of love is that someone lays down their life for their husband. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says friend. And Jesus was not married, by the way. Jesus was single. And Jesus had life in all its fullness. Apart from marriage. Because he understood something. He operated in something that we just don't see. He equates here the highest level of human experience in love. He equates it outside of a married situation. And he equates, because our society, believe me, is indoctrinated, brainwashed, that if you're not married, you've got no intimacy, you've got no friendship. What a lie. What a lie. Actually, the highest level that he said can still be... Now, your husband can be your friend. No problem. Should be. Your wife can be your friend. I'll get there in a moment. But it's not necessary for quality relationships. Are you with me? We can actually build those, but our society, and I believe our teaching, a lot of our churches, don't see that. And to be honest, I haven't seen it until just these last few weeks. God really opened my eyes on this. About his life and the quality within his life. I saw things like I've never seen them before. Like all eternity. In heaven, there's no male or female. So the finished result, no male, no female, no husband, no wife. So the end result, the perfection, actually, is not going to be happy families. It's going to be happy family. Where we will all simply be in a relationship as Jesus was, When he walked this earth with those 12 men, he was in a relationship of intimacy, which was so fulfilling, so inspiring, that it was all he needed. It was all they needed. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I love this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12, look at this. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, Paul speaking here. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then, he's talking about the next life. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall be fully known. I shall fully know even as I am fully known. Eyes forward, please. Paul says that God 
fully knows me. God knows everything there is to know about me right now. Praise the Lord. Sounds like a friend. You have heard this saying that everyone has a God-shaped hole, right? Everybody has a God-shaped hole inside them, and only God can fill that hole. To some degree, I, I, to some level, I agree with that. We do have a God-shaped hole, and I do agree that we need God to enable us to fill it. But I don't think it's the full answer. Look at this a moment. Excuse me, I don't have PowerPoint. If you can't see this, don't be afraid to change your seat and get yourself somewhere where you can see it. Okay? Feel free to get up and look around. Some years ago, we did a series called 3D. Do you remember that? Disciple of Christ. We called it 3D. Every Christian should be a disciple of Christ, a disciple of another, and a discipler. Remember? Very good series, actually. 3D. Let me hijack that. And let me use it for the friendships that are in your life, or maybe not in your life. I believe every Christian should aim to be a friend of Christ. Amen? Amen. That you should aim to be the friend of another, and I will explain what that means, because most Christians, let me finish, don't have friends. Many people don't have friends. Least of all, within a marriage. It's not common. I haven't found it often. And I've been in many situations. And lastly, we should aim within our lives to be a befriender. Now, I mean, what is a friend? What is a friend? A friend is someone I confide in. A friend is someone I trust. A friend is someone that I'm completely vulnerable with. Like Paul says, I am fully known. Because God was his friend. He was God's friend. Fully known and yet fully accepted. Unfortunately, when people enter into marriage for the wrong reasons, there's many reasons. If friendship is not involved, then you end up with trouble. Some people get married for money. Anybody do that? You're not going to put your hand up. Some people get married for practical reasons. Some people get married for love. Some people get married for trophy. You know, trophy husband, trophy wife. Right? And different cultures have different inclinations on these things. But no matter what happens, folks, you're still a human being. And sooner or later, that God-shaped hole inside of you is going to start crying. You have a need for intimacy. You have a need for friendship. You have a need for a oneness that will never go away. So the sooner you face up to it, the better. There's God... And God wants to have a relationship with you. And some people don't even get that far, right? God needs to... You need to fully accept that God knows everything about you and still loves you. Amen? Amen. But some people are what we call self-deceived. They're deluded. And even this bit is broken. And if you are not vulnerable before God, if you can't... When you listen to some people pray, they are deluded. Their prayers are not honest. Read the prayers of David. David knew who he was. Amen. Amen. David knew who he was. And David was not afraid to go into the presence of God and say, you fully know me. You fully know me. I know who I am, God. This line between God and David was established. It was working. And if that line is not working, folks, you've got a problem. In here, notice I didn't put husband or wife. I put other. 
Because this is actually another human being. Should be husband and wife, but not necessarily the case. So you understand, for this to function correctly, you actually need all three. And God's goal is not only that I have a relationship of intimacy with Him, but the reason we're still on the earth, folks, is so that we would befriend others. Hello? That we would build relationships of quality, relationships of openness and honesty with one another. So I challenge you on your private time with God. I am very blunt with God. I'm very honest with God. And I think that is a good thing because what that does for me is it enables me to, to build friendships and quality relationships in my life. We ran a drop-in centre in Ireland and we had about 15 youth that used to come to that centre. About 13 of those youth were what I would call honest thieves, you know. They were all bad. All 15 were bad. Terrible. But about 13 of them knew it. And about 13 of them, you could like them. You know what I mean? Likeable rogues. But there was a couple of them that were deceptive, deluded, but still bad. And they were really awful, you know. Ah, terrible. I'll never forget those two guys because I thought, you know what? You need to be able to accept yourself for who you are firstly in the presence of God. But I find a lot of delusion, a lot of self-deception, oh God, within Christians where it should never be. All right? Let alone within marriages. I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. In fact, let me talk about this. I am very open with God. I'm very honest with God. Right? In my prayer time, in my quiet time. And with that established, that then gives me the ability, everybody listen, that then gives me the ability to form a... Begins with F. Friendship. It gives me the ability to form a friendship with another person. I repeat, I believe that most of you don't have any friends. Don't, don't walk out, let me finish. He said, I don't have any friends. <laughs> So, people often say, Jeanette, why did, why did you marry him? He shouts a lot, right? Why did you marry Jeanette? Why did she marry me? Because, you see, there's this thing here. We've looked at it before. Intimacy means in to me see. That's what intimacy means. And relationships thrive, Christian relationships thrive on a spiritual connectivity. That there's a spark of commonality within two spirits. Then from that, we build our soulish friendships, if you like. You know, go and play table tennis or whatever you want. Soulish, just life. And after that, and only after that, comes the sexual communion. But sex will destroy a marriage if these things are not in order and are not functional. Believe me, sex will tear you apart and will distance husband and wife because there's three levels of intimacy that should be functional, but the first one is the most important one. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So many years ago, I walk into a room and I see my wife. Now, actually, she wasn't my wife. At that point, I am very open. I'm very honest with God. I'm very blunt with God much more than I am with you. And I need to get married, but I need someone who's going to be my friend. 
And I need someone that can be just like God, if you like. I need to be as open with this woman. This is the whole point. I need to find a spark. And when I met Jeanette, it was one of the first times in my life that I thought, you know, I feel secure. And I could actually start to make myself vulnerable to you. So we would go out for a cup of coffee and I would test her. And I would begin to tell her what I'm really like. Shh, don't say anything. (laughs) I would begin to tell her what I'm really like. And so I then would go out a second time for a cup of coffee. And I would confess something to her. I'd say, do you know what? I want to tell you something. Years ago, I did this. She go, what? Yeah, I did. That's what I did. And you're starting to actually find a friendship. Today, Jeanette, I can stand in front of you and in front of God. And I can say this. Not one sin have I ever committed in thought or deed that I have not told you. Not one. Not a single one. Every single thing that I did wrong that was memorable before I got married, I talked through with her. And everything that I've done wrong, that's significant, you know what I mean. I have also told her. Now my point when I say, that's because you're my friend, not my wife. Greater love hath no man than he is connected, or the connectivity is with a friend. You understand? And I believe our relationships are impoverished largely because of cultural pressures. Our different cultures, I'm Irish, some of you, whatever, Malaysian, Chinese, African, of all sorts, but cultures put pressures on us and expectations and impose so-called normalities that I just simply don't accept. Many, wife, many husbands look for a wife who's going to be a servant. You know, she's going to wash the dishes, she's going to iron the clothes, she's going to look after the kids, she's going to be your servant. I meet a lot of families like that. It's terrible, horrible. What did Jesus say? I no longer call you, that's right, no longer call you servant, something's changing. And as many a husband needs to look at their wife and get to the place where there's friendship. But the friendship requires a great level of vulnerability within a relationship. Many uh, Wife will choose a husband. Ka-ching, you know. Go out and earn the money. Bring back the check at the end of the month. That's all I want you for. It's a servant, you see. And that also has to change. So I encourage you that life... You know, I once said that in this, in this church. I said that I have told my wife everything and we have a completely open and vulnerable. And one person, I won't say who, came up to me at the end of the meeting and said, Pastor Mike, was this recorded? I said, yeah. He said, well, you need to take that off the recording. Why? And he wouldn't answer me. He just started walking away. Why? And oh, I know why. Because you don't think it's true. Because in your world, it's impossible. In your world, it is impossible for someone to have a relationship of total openness. Have you got any friends? Do you know what a friend is? You see, Jesus, not married, he built his relationship 
on a great strength, not married, of friendship with other people. Another man came up to me and he looked terrified, a bit like some of you look right now. He looked terrified. And he came up to me and he said, you mean, you mean, you mean, you mean you told her everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 I mean everything. Yes, everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah, I mean everything. Oh, I just remembered something I haven't told you. Maybe this is not an appropriate time. Sorry. Would you just talk amongst yourselves a moment? It's private. About two years ago, I was over in uh, Paris Road. And you know there's a car park there? I got out of the car in the car park and there was this gorgeous woman. <laughs> Will you talk amongst yourselves, please? This is private. And she came over to me and she had a ticket. And she said, you can have my ticket for your car. And I took it. I took the ticket. No money, Jimmy. Sorry, 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 sorry. That was just a joke. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> no. If the Lord brings something to your, to your memory or whatever within a relationship, you need to be able to deal with that and you need to be able to deal with it with openness and honesty. And one guy came and he said, well, you mean you tell her everything? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. That's why I married her. Because I, need, I, I don't need a wife as such. Wives are kind of penny, excuse my expression. But you know what I mean? There's wives everywhere. There's husbands everywhere. There's not friends everywhere. A wife is easy. Husband's easy. But friendship or the, the, the connectivity at that spiritual level from which all fruit and life and energy flow, that's a completely different thing. And my response to that guy was, well, I'll tell you how I feel. I feel like I'm on thin ice. Now, we have communion, thank God, all the time. And, and too many times, I apologize, Jeanette, I apologize more to God. Too many times, with fear and trembling, I will confess to her. The book of James says this, confess your sins to one another, one another, so that you may be healed and be wholesome within that relationship. Now, I also have two other people that I'm very close to, both pastors, <coughs> one of whom, it's about two decades now, I made a commitment of mutual vulnerability never to tell a lie. And in 20 years, I told one stupid lie to that guy. That's it, just one. You know, so I praise God for that and I intend to keep that. I have another relationship with another pastor which is much more recent and developing. He's still being tested. But I understand the nature of the quality of the relationships that Jesus had and I see a dearth of them. I see a lack of them. I see a lack of reality and a love of pretense within Christian lives. An acceptance of our cultural you know, norms in relationships well, I may be Irish, but above that, I'm a Christian. Right? And I don't care if you're Malaysian, Russian, it doesn't matter. Put it aside. The things of this world and the traditions of men cannot take precedence. Amen? Amen. They cannot. Our cultures cannot dominate. I don't know if I've got this scripture here. Mark 7, verse 9. Look at this. Mark 7, verse 9. Jesus continuing about how our traditions, how our cultures... Stop us making friendships and stop the dynamic of friendship within relationships. Mark 7 verse 9. And Jesus continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Absolutely. The traditions of our families, the expectations of our marriages cause us to make choices based on the wrong criteria. 
That's what happens. And then we have lives of frustration and confusion because there's actually no wholesomeness within the marriage. And that's a tragedy. I wonder, is there anybody who's going to be daring enough to be different? I wonder, is there anybody who's going to be vulnerable enough to be different? When I die, Jeanette, when we die and stand before God, with all my heart, I believe this. You get a reward, you know. It's called the Bema Seat. The greatest reward will be our stuff on marriage. Because most of the churches we go to, they know nothing. And nobody ever broaches anything. Nobody's ever willing to be vulnerable or honest with anybody. And they all carry on their pretense and end up with shallow, empty Christian lives and relationships. And I'm not going there. I don't buy it. Okay? What is a friend? Do you have a friend? Do you have someone that you're open with, that you're honest with? Do you have someone that you are totally, just like God, you're totally vulnerable with. Now, you need to make wise choices. By the way, I had this conversation with a guy recently. He's very angry at me, so I won't see him for a while. <laughs> we were talking about this. And his wife is, is dull. She's spiritually dull. And he's a bit of a firecracker, you know. He's full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, bouncing around the floor. And she's dead. So he asked me, come and talk with us. And he was saying, I want in my relationship what you have in your marriage. I want you to pray for us. And I want you to bring her to this place where she's alive. And, oh dear, she's dead. <laughs> where she's alive. She, oops, it is he. Stay there. Where she's alive. I want you to do that. You know, so I said to him, uh, no. He said, what do you mean, no? Lay hands on her. Go on. Uh, no. No. He said, what do you mean, no? I said, no. You did not marry a spiritual woman. You married a soulish woman. And now you're complaining. And now you want me to... You're asking for somebody else. And he didn't like that answer. I said, I, I don't know what I can do. Let's pray. Let's try. Let's hope, let's believe, let's give the opportunities. But statistically, I'm just warning you, you, you know, you're pushing a rock up a hill here. You can try. But because you started on the wrong foot, you, you're forever going to be struggling with that. I'm not saying it can't be healed and mended, it can. But I'm saying statistically, you're going to find that quite difficult. Now, that's not the answer he wanted. But it's the truthful answer, and I believe in telling the truth on these subjects. Okay? Start with the truth. Accept what you've got. I said to that guy, listen, brother, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm going to pray for your wife. I'm going to lay hands on her. But you know what my advice is to you? Go and get a friend. Because I don't think it's going to be her. Go into the discipleship structure of your church. Go to your pastor and find that connectivity. Let's see if we can develop it within the marriage. But remember, it wasn't within the marriage with Jesus. So you may not be able to find it in your case. It doesn't mean it's going to be denied to you. You can still get it. But what I'm saying is it may not just be her. That's all. Friends are hard to find. Most Christians, in my opinion, don't know what they're talking about even. Not even the beginnings of what they're talking about when Jesus uses the word friend. Because they're too proud, too influenced by closed doors in society. 
Who's got any friends, huh? When your mother was diagnosed with cancer, we took her to our house, and I nursed her mother, just me on my own, for three weeks before she died. And she died in our house, because I used to work in a hospital. I didn't mind doing that. And that was a great honor. I'll never forget it. It was excellent. She was a lovely lady. used to sing hymns in bed as she died slowly. And then we did the funeral, and you cried, Jeanette. You beat me. You beat my chest, a bit like you see on some of those, you know, films. She, she was so out of it that she thumped the living daylights out of me with grief. And then we did the funeral, and we buried her mother, and all the family were there, and everybody cried. And I happened to notice a little bald-headed guy who didn't come and join the group. He was at the back. I just saw him. And he didn't come back for the reception or anything. And we went to your mum's house in the coming week, over three or four days, and we were clearing out all the furniture and all the stuff when there was a knock on the door. And it's this little guy. I don't know who he is. In fact, in the one encounter I had with him, he hardly said more than ten words. He came in. He sat down at the table. I said, I saw you at the funeral. Did you know Thelma? You know, did you know Thelma? You weren't with the family. He took his hat off. And he started to cry. Well, he cried. He wailed. And he wailed. Like like, like he's lost an only child, you know? He wailed at that table. And it was pouring out of him. Those of you who have experienced grief, You know what I'm talking about. It's a deep thing. Man, he grieved. And then he tidied himself up, sticks his hat on, and he turns to me, and the only line I can remember he said was this, Thelma was my friend. And off went the mystery man. Her father died when she was very young, and her mother was left on her own. And I'm very happy to have met that man because it comforts me to know that there was a friendship. And it saddens me to know that most Christians, in my opinion, do not understand the nature biblically of what Jesus is talking about friendship or love. I love pizza. Blah, blah, blah. We don't understand the depths to which this goes in Scripture. The third point, if you remember the 3D or the 3F, I begin by becoming <coughs> I begin by becoming a friend of Christ. If you cannot be vulnerable before Christ with openness and honesty, we're going nowhere. Okay? Then I become the friend of another person. This is very difficult, not easy. It's going to require major changes in you. It's going to require you being very vulnerable and open and honest with someone. But surely we can do that. Surely at least we can do that. And then I change my perspective on other Christians and I go out of my bunker. I get out of my hiding place, a bit like we've done through these series. And I begin to communicate and look for other people to be friends. You need to test them. They need to be tried and tested. If they pass the test, you can move from stage to stage in what I believe Jesus did. Scripture says everyone should be tested. Okay? So be a befriender, but you're going to have to come through this whole circuit here 
just in, most of you have been here for all the other series. But remember this, in case you don't understand what I'm talking about. God loves the whole world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. God loves everybody, but not everybody's God's friend. Okay? Friendship is contained within love as a general sense. Not everybody's in that inner circle. You have relatives that you love, but they may not be your friend. Who is a friend? Someone I talk to, someone I'm vulnerable with, that's a friend. You could have a son or a daughter. You love them? Yes. Are they your friend? Maybe not. You can have relatives and cousins and aunts and this. Do you love them? Yes. But are they biblically friends? No. And culture, I'm warning you friends over and over again because I believe it's a problem. Cultural preconceptions, the expectations of mum and dad, they cause us to build marriages that are not biblical marriages, not marriages of power, not marriages that produce power, right? Because they're, they're, they're fundamentally built by the traditions of men and the expectations of the world instead of with God. And I, do, I work a lot with cultures, but I don't let the culture dominate my decisions or my life. I could give you many examples on this and get myself in a lot of trouble right now. I better keep my mouth shut. I was in, where was I? Um, Singapore. Let's take the Indians. Any Indians here this morning? Two. Do you want to step outside for a while? <laughs> I was in Singapore and I met Roy's, Roy's mother. Pastor Roy is here in a few weeks' time. He's a very close friend of mine. And I met his mother for the first time. And Roy and his father were behind. And I was walking down the street with his mother. I was delighted to meet her. She's a real powerhouse, a prayer warrior. So I was very keen to form a friendship. And I'm walking down the street with his mum. We're walking side by side and I'm talking to her, you know. Next thing, I, I, I look back and she's gone. She's behind me. So I go back. I said, I was just talking to you then. <laughs> so, and then she's gone again. And she's behind me. I think, could I just talk to you? And Roy saw what was happening. And Roy ran up and said, Mike, she will never, she's, Indian, she's a traditional Indian. She will never walk either with you. You're a pastor. Am I right? <laughs> she, she will be behind you. I said, well, actually, um, I was hoping to get a friendship. And this cultural tradition here is actually, it's not working. You need, your mum needs to put that tradition down. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And, there, I mean, that's just one small example. I could give you a thousand examples. My good friend Derek Liu in, in Singapore is in charge of marriage ministry. And I'm working on, with him on some of the, 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 the wonky expectations within the cultures I see in Singapore that's causing so many people so much grief. But my point to Derek is, Derek, if I start talking this stuff, most people are going to run and hide. They don't want to know. And by the way, folks, I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm not asking you to go home, husbands, otherwise we're going to have a load of divorces in the house. <laughs> I'm not asking you to go home this afternoon because your relationship... I've come a long way. I've been walking a long time with Christ. And I know what I'm looking for, but most of you don't. And then you end up with the different multitude of situations we have. So I'm not... You know they say on the TV programs, don't try this at home. Well, just be careful. You may not have to try this at home, okay? Because it might blow up in your face. I don't know. I don't know. Every situation is unique. But I can tell you this. You can try it. Somewhere. With another. 
You can try it through the discipleship structure. You can ask God to give you a friend, a real friend, not a pretendy friend, not a Facebook friend, a real friend, someone that you know. And that's the sensitivity within your spirit that you need to develop. And if those of you who are here are single, my oh my, is this a good word for you? Is this a good word for you? You're looking for a connectivity with someone. That, that you can share the same vulnerability that you share with God. Let me put in a few warnings before we... I want to show a video in a moment, but let me just put in a few warnings. Are there people here who cannot form friendships and will not succeed? Yes. And there are many pseudo-friendships, many pretendy people. We call them gossips, right? Someone will say they want to be your friend, come for a cup of coffee with me. They don't want to be your friend. What do they want? Information. Catch up on the latest information. That's what they want. I'm not talking about that. You need to avoid that. And such people will never have friends. We have all sorts of professionals here. We've got the IT guys, the pharmacy guys. Is there any policemen? Any policemen? Oh, believe me, there's several policemen. There's several policemen in this church. Lots of them. They don't carry truncheons, they carry Bibles, you know. They can't have a friend when you're a policeman. Self-righteousness is what it is. When people are self-righteous, they cannot have that relationship with God because they're, they're self-deceived. They think everybody else is worse than them. You see? And they walk around consciously or subconsciously or, you know, pointing out they think their job is to police everybody in the world. God help you, friend. Paul said, I am the... Chief of all sinners. And Paul was in that relationship with God. You see, he's not a policeman. He's a Christian who has a friend, actually. That's what he is. So don't please. Self-righteous people cannot have friendships because they're living in a fantasy world. It's a fake world. It's not reality. We began by saying that God, there's a God-shaped hole inside you. I want everybody to listen really carefully right now. And I believe that. But my point is, how do I fill that God-shaped hole? The traditional answer is this way. And to be honest with you, I disagree. Because this was Adam in Eden. There was Adam and there was God. And God said, still not good. Still not good. I believe the God-shaped hole inside me is filled this way. Amen. With a third party, a human being, not just God. Doesn't have to be husband, doesn't have to be wife. Can be, and that's fantastic, but doesn't have to be. And that God-shaped hole, not just God in my life, but other people. And this is the foundation of everything Jesus sent us into the world to do. Go and make disciples. Go and make those who will be openly vulnerable with one another. And we try to do that within groups, but as I say, as soon as you get close to it, people run away from you. The parable of the prodigal son is a good one. The elder brother was self-righteous, correct? And the prodigal son was open and honest. Now, who, who got satisfied in the end? The, the prodigal son. The prodigal son was a sinner. Did he know it? Yes. The elder, and he ended up at the table, back in friendship. 
The self-righteous elder brother, did he end up with any friends? No. No. Out in the field, on his own, isolated by his own self-righteousness, unable to come into the spotlight with his brother, who had accepted himself for who he was. We travel a lot, as you know. I go to many churches, and I I take great delight in that. It's fantastic. (coughs) Everywhere I go, people say to me, The devil has attacked your wife, because for those of you who don't know, my wife is not well. She has a disease, a brain disease. And people say, ah, I know what's happened, Pastor Mike. The devil's attacked you to take your wife away. And I don't say anything, but at the back of my mind, I think, "Uh, no. (laughs) No. Forgive me, ladies, but wives are everywhere. You know what I mean? There's, There's millions of women out there. There's millions of men out there. The attack is not on the husband or wife. The devil's trying to take my friend away. Yeah. You, don't, you missed the point. You're looking on the surface. There's a very specific reason that I know that you don't know. There's a very specific reason why she is being attacked. It's because of me. So she's suffering that because of me. And because the source of my power, everything that we're going through, we relay in multiple nations. And it's fantastic. I love it. It's great. What's love got to do with it? And our story, our pains and our joys went out to half the world. That's fantastic. And I'm glad to share my experiences as painful as they may be. But I know that the heart of it is nothing to do with a marriage. It's not about that. It's not about anybody attacking my wife. It's because the devil wants to take away my friend. She doesn't need to be my wife. It could be my disciple, or it could be someone else. He wants to take away the human so he can break down this relationship. He can stop me being fulfilled in the way that God made Adam fulfilled, if you like, with Eve. He he completed the circle. So this is a message of hope for you who are single. The pinnacle of biblical relationships was not marriage, and it will not be marriage in eternity because there is no marriage. Instead, we will be in a relationship of friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ and each other. So, don't, so get your pinnacle right. Get the peak of these things right. Secondly, I encourage you to proceed with great caution. And know your friends. I believe in testing with small things. Test your relationship with one another. If you have a friend or a disciple or whoever it may be, you need to test them and begin to make yourself vulnerable by degrees. A bit like Joseph did with the brothers. I want to show you a video. If you can run that, please, Maru. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a good video. I like it. It's a little bit sad, maybe. But I want you to think, and just be quiet a moment, and ask yourself if there's anybody in the whole world who would send this to you. Praise the Lord. One, one final thought. I want to challenge you folks at, at, at the deepest of levels. Remember what I'm saying, please. I'm being very serious right now. Proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. Because some of you, your relationships are so fragile, you're not capable of that. But what I want you to do is to begin to think about it and to begin to accept the honesty and the truth that Christ presents to us. It's a scary truth, I know. Seek 
Do you know, if someone died without being married, it's, it's nowhere near as sad as someone who dies without having a friend. Because there's plenty of married people, trust me, I think the married people will agree, who are not friends. Am I telling the truth? Amen. I'm telling the truth. Plenty of them, plenty of them, who are not vulnerable or open with one another. So your chief pursuit in life, find a friend, complete the circle, and become that, you know, life in all its fullness. I'm talking to everybody in this room, married, single, busy, idle. Be adventurous, be bold. My current motto is live life until you die, right? Be bold, be vulnerable. Just bow your heads a moment. I'll invite the worship team to take your place. I want to pray for you. Father God, I pray that you would break the, the bondages of culture and the expectations of being this or being that by other people. My wife thinks I'm this and I'm not. My husband thinks I'm that and I'm not. My parents want me to be whatever. We put it down and we focus on Jesus first and foremost. Lord, like the prodigal, we become vulnerable before you. This is who I am, Lord. This is who I am. I will get up and go back to my father. Just like the prodigal. Accept yourself, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And God, as we do this this morning, I pray you will quicken us and embolden us to make friends. Real friends. I pray for the wisdom in that selection process. Wisdom, sensitivity, and boldness. God, we commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name.